Hey everybody, this is a short bonus episode for you. I've been getting a lot of emails with different questions about different topics, and I thought it would be great to bring on some really great worship leaders, friends of mine who have a lot of wisdom and insight and can help answer some of these questions. So uh, from now on, maybe once a month, I'll do a bonus episode where I answer a listener's question. And if you want to email me a question, you can do that, alex at worshipleadertraining.com. Or if you want us to like feature your voice on our podcast, you can even call in and leave a voicemail. It's 831-607-WLT1, 831-607-WLT1. And both of those links will be in the show notes. But yeah, contact me in the future if you have a question you want us to answer on the episode, and we'll bring on some qualified guests to answer those questions. So I do have two qualified guests here I have Sam Kisaka and Brenton Collier. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Sam is a worship leader at Hope Chapel in Hermosa Beach, and Brenton is a worship pastor in Monterey, California at Calvary Monterey, and they're both awesome guys. So I want to read this question from one of our listeners. This is a question from Rick Flood. Rick, thanks for writing this question to us. The question is this. I have always led worship with an acoustic guitar, but recently I switched to leading with an electric. This has been a huge learning curve for me. Any pointers on best practices for this, even pedal suggestions, chord phrasing, etc. Our band setup has an electric lead player, and I am trying to figure out how to blend the two effectively. I'm sticking to light rhythm, leaving the leads to the other player. Also, any pointers for my sound guys who are running sound? Thank you for any pointers you have. So... Let's just jump right in, guys. Rick is switching from an acoustic to an electric guitar for leading, and he's looking for help. What would you guys say? Yeah, I, I'd say, uh, I mean, the first step, if, if you know, similarly to if you're leading from an acoustic guitar, if you're leading from an electric guitar, it's pretty simple. Just just work on getting good as an electric guitar player. You know, that's where it's got to start. There are a lot of different, you know, techniques and, and ideas that will be helpful that we'll probably get into. But I think big picture wise, if you're not a strong electric guitar player just to begin with, then you're definitely not going to be a strong leader leading from the electric guitar. So that doesn't mean you have to be the most extravagant electric guitar player, the most advanced, the most intricate. Um, but it just means whatever you're trying to accomplish on that instrument Make sure that that you've got it, you're comfortable with it, you can play it easily and, and effortlessly and confidently, and then add singing on top of that, you know, but it's got to start there just just um, developing as an electric guitar player first before choosing to lead from electric, I think. Mm-hmm. Sam, any thoughts? Uh, one thing that popped into my head as you were talking, Brenton, was uh, when you start playing electric, switching from acoustic at least in my case, when I first started playing electric and singing at the same time, uh, I would be thinking about the note that I was playing on electric, and so sometimes that would affect my voice. And so uh, I definitely think, and I agree with you, that confidence is a huge thing that, yeah, you should definitely be confident on electric guitar before you start leading with it, because otherwise it just becomes a distraction. Yeah, cool. Confidence, comfortableness, comfortableness, if that's a, a word. Um, so maybe like 
let's talk a little bit about tone. You know, he asked about tone. So I, I lead from electric maybe once a month. Um, otherwise I'm on the acoustic. And, um, for me personally, I'm not like an insanely great electric guitar player. I can, you know, fool most people. Um, but for tone, I don't want to mess with all these different pedals while I'm leading. So I kind of just set my guitar right between clean and overdriven. And so that way, if I play lightly and finger pick, it's clean. And if I dig into it a little harder with my pick, it adds a bit of dirt to the tone, but I'm not constantly stepping on pedals while I'm trying to lead to try to change the tone between verses and choruses. How about you guys? Any, any thoughts on tone? Yeah. Um, so I think there's like two types of electric guitar worship leaders. Um, there's the one we would be talking about here, which is more of the rhythm electric player. And then there's like, if you only have one electric say, and you have to do the leads as well as the stuff, that's the only time that I would say stepping on pedals is a necessity. But other than that, I think that you're plenty safe for the light drive. When you finger pick, it'll be clean and then you dig in, dirties up a little bit. So yeah, it's pretty crazy, you know, what you can accomplish just with, like you were saying, Alex, the feel of your fingers versus your pick, you know, what you do with your tone knobs, what you do with your volume knob, what you do with which pickup you're on. There's so much ability to shape the, the tone just like right there uh, at your fingertips without feeling like you have to have a ton of, uh, of pedals. And so um, I've actually simplified my electric rig quite a bit through the years. And I've got all kinds of pedals, a pedal for just about everything that I've used through the years. And sometimes I'll pull something off and put one of those on for like a, a song that really needs it. But yeah, my basic rig is, you know, probably the same stuff most people have, some drive, some reverb, some delay, um, and, you know, tuner, volume pedal, that sort of thing. And I try to just keep it really simple and work on those effects ahead of time and figure out what I need for the set. And then just try not to, yeah, just be be hitting all kinds of different things because that really is is difficult to do. Like if you do have to change settings quite a lot from song to song, even practice, like in addition to practicing your part, practice that sequence of changes on your pedal board and memorize it and then make sure you can do it quickly because you also don't want to get caught saying, okay, I need to turn off my overdrive and switch to this longer delay and go from a, a light reverb to a saturated reverb. And then when it comes down to the moment, you, you hit the wrong thing or you it ends up being this long, awkward pause because you forget. So it's almost like that's just another part that you need to practice and get comfortable with. But start simple, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, I think for me, again, like I'm not a crazy, amazing electric player, but I'll, I'll usually just have some reverb from the amp uh, and then I'll use a little bit of delay. Like I'll use like a short slapback delay for the upbeat songs and then I'll just make it really simple to switch to a, a slightly longer like quarter note delay for the slower songs. And it's like literally one button press for me because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have to think about like, oh, I got to, you know, and even if the tap tempo is not like exactly right on, like if I have a moment to tap it in correctly, I will. But if it's like we're jumping right into the next song, like no one's going to notice if my quarter note delay is like slightly off. It's more about the texture. So yeah, I think, I think you're right on Brenton for rhythm. Just keep it simple. You know, I think I heard like Chris Kilala talk about his pedal rig and he's like, I just have drive and delay and that's it, you know? So Mm -hmm. even though it's fun to buy a bunch of pedals, if you're doing rhythm, you don't really need to. Any thoughts uh, uh, on strumming? What would you tell this person how to change his strumming up from, you know, what what he was doing on acoustic to what he's doing on electric? Um, I guess with strumming, 
uh, I've run into a lot of people who uh, like to use sort of the same strum, and probably it's not a huge deal, but um, I've always encouraged people and like students to master different types of strums, listen to the types of styles that you're playing. I mean, it all depends on the song, but uh, with rhythm, I really think that it's just holding down the groove and uh, not getting outside of that, not getting too crazy. I prefer when I'm playing rhythm, I don't really bite in with my pick as much. It's not as firm. I kind of let it loose a little bit. Um, so it's kind of more jangly and you can kind of hear the, the syncopation of the strum, but not um, so that it's just like super in your face. Yeah, and I'd say for strumming on an acoustic, you can get away with more down, down, up, up, down, like, you know, a lot of up and down percussive stuff, but on an electric, it just sounds annoying. So I would say simplify your strumming for sure. Like, you know, do more straight eighth notes or open, like just on the chord change, just strum it out, you know, strum out on each chord change, like basically simplify, try palm muting a lot for the verses. So one of the things I'll do is like, in my strumming on my electric, as opposed to my acoustic, I'll, I'll straighten it out a bit. I won't do all the up and down in between percussive stuff. I'll kind of just like do straight eighths with the palm mute, maybe like up higher on the neck for the verses. And then when the chorus comes in, I'll just like open up and go down to the one position and just strum like a whole note for each chord change and let the, you know, let the drums carry out the subdivisions of the beats and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it sounds really simple, but don't underestimate the power of that that one strum. <laughs> um, you know, if you've got some nice tone, that's really going to go a long way and sounding really, really nice in your mix. And and you're right, I'd say, you know, in a sentence, I would just say, don't try to strum your electric guitar like you do your acoustic guitar. You know, it's, it's pretty much that simple. I, I can't think of any song I personally do that with um, because there's only so many subdivisions in your measure and you know, depending on what, what your drums are doing. And then, you know, if maybe if you're leading from electric, but you also have someone else who's playing acoustic guitar, this is really not necessary. So yeah, I go back and forth like you, Sam, between pick using a pick and, and using my fingers playing electric guitar quite a bit. And I do a lot of like picking work as a rhythm electric player. So I'm not doing like a, you know, a down up strum pattern very often. Um, usually I'm doing, you know, picking notes within a chord to make it just kind of like more melodic and musical sounding. And we'll get into chord voicings in a minute, but if you do some, some inversions or some voicings that are higher up on the neck or on some of the higher strings, you can kind of almost sound like a lead guitar player without really even doing, you know, too much, just picking within the chord voicings. And then if you do, you know, a lot of what I'll do is with finger picking is it, it may be a finger picking pattern or it may just be like plucking two or three of the strings at a time as I'm moving between positions and then with a little bit of delay, that's going to ring out and and sound really nice usually. Yeah. You really want to avoid like open chord strings. I really like that. You're, you're picking out a little pattern, a picking pattern in the chord voicing and kind of adding this melodic element. Cause you can't, you just can't play the electric like an acoustic. It sounds bad. So um, that's really good. Let's talk a little bit about chord shapes then. So one of the things I think is like, don't, just strum in the one position on the neck, you know, like open G, regular D, like there's a lot more creative shapes you can use when you're playing on electric. So uh, maybe Brenton, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say the first thing to do is get really comfortable and confident in your bar chord theory. So knowing and understanding first where your root six and root five bar chords are. 
and um, maybe start with those and then not even playing all six or five strings on those chords but playing combinations of of strings they can be sequential strings so like you know three strings in a row so like your d and your g and your b string uh, all in a row like in an f shape or something like that like up higher on the neck or they can be out of sequence so you could do like for a d chord you know your root on the d note and then skip the D string uh, all together and just play the next two notes on the B and the in the G string or something like that because like within a root six bar chord shape there are like seven or eight pretty quickly identifiable chord voicing combinations without moving anywhere you know you could you could play the the bottom two strings you could pay, play the next two you could play all three you could skip some strings and so if you if you start there and then you know find some nice voicings within that shape and then arpeggiate those voicings or you know find a picking pattern within them you're going to get some really nice melodic interesting sounding um, chords that you can utilize way up the neck and down the neck by only learning two shapes basically your your movable e shape which is your root six bar chord or your movable a shape which is your root five and then if you want to take it kind of a little bit further there's of course root four and root three shapes which are basically like triad shapes which sound sound really nice up the neck too that's good sam any thoughts yeah uh stay away from open chords uh the only time i think i've ever played one position open chords like an open g would be or d and stuff like that is when i'm strumming just on the downbeat and it's really drivey or something it's a huge song and then I guess for when I'm leading rhythm, I do typically stick to the fourth position bar chord triad shape because there's a ton of just major key or major scale stuff that you can do in there with your picking and when you move a little bit of fingers. So yeah, getting the theory behind all of the you know the cage stuff is I, th- I think a huge part of, of playing electric guitar and leading at the same time yeah and you know just to encourage our listeners because if you're like oh my gosh they're like speaking a different language <laughs> well one let it kind of spur you on to learn some of these things but two also like for me it also sounds slightly like a different language what some of the phrases that you know brenton and sam are talking about because i play a lot by ear and i i know exactly what they're saying and I've learned it by ear, but that's just because I've been doing it for a while and like I'm comfortable with it. But what they're really saying is like get comfortable all the way around the neck of your guitar. Like know how to play an E in the one position, know how to play it up on the seventh fret, and then know how to play it up in a triad on the top three strings, you know, so that you can jump in between all those three spots for a verse and a chorus, you know? So like, just for an example, like I might do like, let's just say I'm doing amazing, uh, this is amazing grace in E. I might just do like a palm muted open E string type thing for the verses. And then in the chorus, I might jump up to just all the way up to the seventh fret E open, like just play the bottom three or four strings on the E open E chord. And then when I go to the four chord, which is the A, I'll just lower my pointer finger down to the next thing and op- hit the open A string and ring the you know bottom three out and then I might jump up higher and do like a little d-shaped triad thing um, up higher so if you can get comfortable with maybe those three positions you're going to be really versatile in adding um, 
adding energy to the song. Like I even led a men's retreat last weekend and it was for the most part, it was almost a three piece and it was with me on my electric. So I had to create the energy changes by knowing how to move around the neck of my guitar. So really it kind of all boils down to what they said at the beginning, which is practice and get comfortable. And then in terms of mixing, I'll answer that real quickly. You know, you might want to look at compressing your guitars, your electric guitars, like maybe two to one ratio compression or maybe three to one ratio compression, just so that the the peaks don't stick too far out of the mix. And then also like maybe roll off some of the bottom end, like high pass up to, I don't know, 120, 180. I'm not a real sound guy, but just get some of the low end rumble out of the microphone by high passing. And then if you have capability to pan, you can pan left a little bit on on your rhythm and write a little bit on your lead guitar just to, you know, create some separation in the room between the two guitars. So that's a little bit about mixing. Um, any, any final thoughts guys for, uh, for Rick and for any of the other listeners who are wanting to switch to an electric? Yeah. I just say like, if you have a chance to, um, to play electric on a team or with a group somewhere where you're not leading, like take advantage of that, you know, and that just comes back to what I said at the beginning, which is just get really comfortable and really strong on whatever level of, of playing that you're hoping to achieve. You know, again, it doesn't have, you don't have to be the best player in the world, but you know, find, try to seek out opportunities for you to practice with, with other people. Cause that's just going to translate all the, the better when you're actually singing and leading. Cool. Sam, anything you think we missed maybe that would be helpful? Uh, the one thing that I can think of uh, is a good resource that I like. If you can, multitracks.com. I don't know how many people use tracks, but you can isolate other artists specifically in worship their mixes. And so you can isolate a guitar and you can hear what that guitar is doing on that track. And they might have six guitars, which is just for the record or whatnot. But you can you know see which one plays a more important role, all that kind of stuff. Um, I learned guitar listening. So, and looking at books and the different chord uh, shape stuff. So I really do think that there's nothing better than your ear. So like all this, all the skill stuff and the learning the cage and stuff like that. A lot of it comes out when you pick up stuff in different songs, you figure out how to play it. It leads to other things. So. Awesome. Great guys. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Uh, And for our listeners, again, if you have a question you would like us to answer in a kind of like real world worship leader setting with other real world worship leaders, like shoot me an email, alex at worshipleadertraining.com or call and leave a voicemail 831-607-WLT1. And I'll put the links again in the show notes. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. And God bless you.